Welcome to a night of total terror. Welcome to the Undead Wookiee Podcast, episode 24, Dead Snow 1 and 2. The Undead Wookiee is a fortnightly-ish podcast focusing on horror and sci-fi, but there will be times where we dip into other genres because here at the Undead Wookiee, our nerdiness knows no bounds. Hello and welcome back. Like I said, I'm Hugh Lloyd, your host, and we shall be dipping into the snowy terror that is Dead Snow 1 on 2. But before I introduce my fabulous co-hosts this evening, let's check out the trailer. Glad! Fuddy God! Jeg regner med at dere små og bortsendte snølvalper ikke har giddet å lese litt lokalhistorie om området her før dere kommer valsannes inn på den helvede snedtraktoren deres. Under 2. verdenskrig så var Østfjorden en utrolig viktig plass for tyskere. Det var si, en holdeplass for tyske krigsskip. Folk ble torturert og banket og mishandlet hver eneste dag. Tror meg når jeg det. Det här var onde satans jävla. Sekara? Fortune and glory, kid. And we are back, and yes, it is time to introduce my very, very special guests. They're back again. They thought they were out, but we pulled them <laughs> back in. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you my glamorously gothy gal pals, the one, the only, Cat and Lynx, CL Raven. How are we doing, girls? 
Hello, we're good. How are you? Clean, not too bad. That hasn't worked. <laughs> <laughs> and again, you know, we're going to pretend that we haven't had a fifteen-minute conversation beforehand. Absolutely not. We, we don't even know you. Like we were on any show. <laughs> what is this podcast? <laughs> Stop stalking me. Stop stalking me. <laughs> anyway, we are here today to talk, of course, dead snow. Are so excited, Nazi zombies. Like seriously, what could be better? Well, yeah, you know, I there is a, you know there is a number of obviously there's a lot of films that deal with Nazi zombies and uh, sort of Nazi Nazi monsters, but out of them, Dead Snow One and of course Dead Snow Two, Red. Um, is it Red or Dead or Red versus Dead? Isn't it? That's yeah, the yeah, the Red versus Dead. I should know because it's written in front of me. But <laughs> um, and I'm sure somebody will jump on and correct me in a little while. But I'm I. I, re- I kind of missed these films first time round, and um... I can't even remember how we we like find that we like just like stumbled across it. We saw Dead Snow in the, in the shop. Yeah, and we it just there was the cover. It's like Nazi zombies. Yeah, and it, it was like, the Einstein Einstein die. die. You were like, we, yes. we got it. We did German for A level, so that amused us. Ah, right. Okay. Well, my wife is really good at German. She she is really really good at German. So. Uh... We weren't. They tried to kick us out of our we, A-level we, class. <laughs> and then, like, then we got down to Phoebe and it like, wiped our memory. And they tra- there was only like nine people in our German A-level class. One had a German mother, so it was fluent. One had lived in Germany, so it was fluent. Everyone else had visited Germany. Yeah, so one went like every year with the student exchange programme, so she was fluent. And then it was us. Who, <laughs> and the other ones who weren't fluent, who did the venture leader class, they were the ones that were like on cannabis all the time. So us and those two guys were like the least favourite in the class. But we, we, because they wanted to kick us out, we stayed out of pure spite just to drag the marks down and make the teacher look bad. Yes, yes. We uh, and in no way, you know, being a fellow teacher, would I ever condone any of that kind of behaviour. <laughs> ah, so, yeah, we are talking Dead Snow. Um, of course, it came out in 2009. Now, at some point, I am going to absolutely butcher the names of the actors and the cast and the crew um because obviously um being norwegian i'm not particularly fluent in norwegian and um it's hard enough like trying to like pronounce like ikea swedish like product names and you know norwegian looks a lot like swedish so you you could be basically be reading from like the ikea catalog and we wouldn't know the difference (laughs) so before I butcher these names, I would like to make a public apology now um, before some, you know, giant Norwegian Vikernar comes knocking on my door, deciding <laughs> to go berserker on my ass. So um, here we go. It was released in 2009. It was January the 9th, 2009. Um, it's 91 minutes long. It doesn't feel 91 minutes. It feels oh. a lot shorter. Yeah. It flies really, really quickly. It was it made for a budget. Yes. It was made for a budget of eight hundred thousand dollars. Oh, that's not much. It's nothing, in, in is it? In budget terms, um, and it made one point nine million. Oh wow! So that's pretty good going. Um, here we go. It's time to butcher the names. It was directed <laughs> by Tommy Wilkula. Now he directed um, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunter. Um, have you seen that? 
Is that the one yes, with the thingy from Avengers? Yes, or, it is. Oh, yeah. Yes, we have seen that. We actually liked it. I know it didn't get good reviews, but we enjoyed that. We enjoy most things that don't get good reviews. We watch bad movies for an entertainment. <laughs> that is true. I, I could really appreciate. I, I haven't seen Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters, but um, I can appreciate a really bad film. Um, but yeah, I've, I haven't seen that one, so I, I will get round to it at some point. Um, it was written by Tommy Wilkerer and by Stig Fjord Hendrickson. Ha that was quite good. It stars... Yeah. Now, this is where it all goes pear-shaped, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it stars uh, Viga Hoyle, uh, Stig Fjord Hendrickson, Charlotte Frogner, Lassie Vidal, Iva... Not Iva. <laughs> Iva. Uh, um, Eva Kasseth Rostein, Jep Larsen, Jenny Scavalan, Andal Torp, Bjorn Sundquist, and uh, Jorn Gamist. Hey! And that's the last time that I'm going to pronounce any of their names during this show. <laughs> I'm not even going to try yet. <laughs> so, I, like we said, I kind of stumbled across this one. Um, we were on... Where were we? We were actually staying in a shepherd's hut. Um, okay. In, in Dorset, we went glamping. Oh, and, nice. Yeah, it was. It was really cool. Um deer running up in the field it was really really cool however just sort of it absolutely hammered down the entire time we were there oh, so no. i sat and of course you know being away and you know and surrounded by all this natural beauty i sat down and i watched dead snow dead snow 2 and hellraiser um, <laughs> so it was time well spent but i i kind of heard of it but it sort of passed me by um and then the second that i saw it i was it, i was hooked i thought it was uh that was it. I was in. I, it, it had me hooked from the pretty much from the get go. Yeah, because we 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 saw it in a, a shop and we bought it thinking, oh, this is going to be a bad movie. There's Nazi zombies. We we got to watch it, and and we loved it. And we it's not surprised. a bad movie. It's a it's a great movie. It's like Big Ass Spider. We thought that's going to be a bad movie. It's oh, not. I it's love so Big Ass Spider. Big... That's so good. That and Lava Lantula that were on our bad movie list. It turns out they're not bad movies at all. They're fantastic movies. <laughs> now, Big Ass Spider, I think, is a great film. I really, really like Big Ass Spider. Yeah. I think it's a really, really good one. Now, there are a number of sort of um, like high points in this film. Um, are there any particular standout moments for yourselves in the, in the first Dead Snow? Um... It's been a while since we've seen the first one, so it's like, I can't really remember it. I was hoping to watch it beforehand, but we just looking at the time. And I can't even remember if we still own it or if someone's taken it. <laughs> I mean, like, you mean you get the first chase, um, uh, where, you know, where they, you get somebody being chased in the woods, and you don't know what's, cha- you know, what's quite chasing, and then you get the zombies and they pop out in their Nazi uniforms. That's a really, really cool moment. And, and yeah, starts that, the that film is really actually well. the moment I do remember because it, that's the first time that you see them, and then you're like, oh my god, that's a zombie. This is brilliant. And then you get like, um, obviously, that you, you we're then introduced to our main characters, and it follows a lot of the sort of uh, a lot of cliches, doesn't it? You get the sort of the. the the group of people off to the to a weekend in the in the woods in the cabin, very sort of Evil Dead almost, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. cabin in the woods and that kind of thing. Right? And it's like we're really gutted because you know obviously we go away a lot on adventures and nothing. We've never found Nazi zombies. Yeah, we've never been chased by cannibals or or uh, like raised 
theme and or, or stuff like that. And so I feel like our adventures are lacking. So yeah, like in Frist- when we went ghost hunting in Bristol Courthouse, like we we read that script out. We yeah, didn't we, raise the uh, ancient ones like uh, they did in Evil Dead. So I'm, I'm a bit disappointed, really. <laughs> I'd, do you know what? I would absolutely love to see you guys raising the ancient ones, HP <laughs> Lovecraft style, <laughs> the deep ones, the old ones. That would be just that moment, just the sudden realization. Excuse me, I've completely lost my. I've had a full day of teaching today, so um, so I'm completely caffeinated to the eyeballs, and my voice may or may you know just last the entire thing. So if at some point you hear me coughing and spluttering, just carry on as if I'm not there. <laughs> anyway, we see we are our cast are sort of uh, adjoined. Um, um, they're all in the woods and they're waiting for. I think it's Sarah to arrive um, in the cabin because she's. Now this is the crazy bit. Now, out of all holidays that you've ever been on, have you ever thought? Do you know what? I'll ski across country to get there. No, no, actually, no, that is coming back to me. Yeah, I do remember her doing that and thinking, what the fuck are you doing? Was it, it's, yeah. <laughs> it, it just seems like a rather laborious way to get to a cabin. Yeah. Yeah, you just sort of think, you know, I could either, because even when they get there, it's so snowy, they end up having, I, I got to be honest, the one guy who gets out of the car and takes the jet, the, the sort of snow plow and mm-hmm. sort of shoots off on his own to leave the rest of them carrying the luggage. Yeah. What that, a I, dick. I, I feel like I hope he gets got first. Yeah. But it's kind of like an elk to ride or something. But it's like, <laughs> how like cross, you know, doing the cross-country skiing that to the cabin. It's like, well, has she got sat-nav? Does she know where she's going? You know, with snowy woodlands, it all looks the same, you know. So we all know what happened in Snow Peace. They went into snowy woodlands. Yeah. It didn't end very well. <laughs> yeah, it's always, you know, i got to be honest, I'm always very weary of being on, like, um, a country road, it's stormy. It's dark. If something goes wrong, i got to be honest, I'm not going to turn around and say the immortal lines, I'll be right back, let alone ski <laughs> across half a country. I certainly wouldn't no. be doing that. Now, no. you then, obviously, they, they, they arrive. They're still waiting for her to um, uh, to get there on her, sort of her cross-country hike. And then they're joined then by um, some sort of uh, quite a strange figure. He just knocks on the door. Um, and then asks to be let in, um, and he's sort of, you know, he's almost, he plays the role of sort of like the, the sort of, I mean, the, oh, what they call like the harbinger of doom. Yeah. And then you get, he relays, yeah, the, I, he relays the myth then, or, or the story about the Nazis being uh, up in the hills and uh, those type of things. That's the thing, you, don't, you just don't let those types of people in, in your cabin. You know, if like somebody like randomly like knocked on our tent or our, our travel lodge door, we wouldn't like invite them in to like spend the evening. We'd be like, no, you go away, you might be a, a serial killer and that. And, you know, someone starts like reading our stories about Nazi zombies, you're not going to believe them. Oh, no, this is totally legit. Yeah, we, we best not do anything stupid and raise Nazi zombies. Anything like that, you're just gonna like laugh and go, just maybe you've had a bit too much to drink. Maybe you need to go and lie down with a glass of water and some of you for fun. <laughs> However, I think you've hit on an idea there of Nazi zombies in a travel lodge. <laughs> that would be amazing. I, I think I'd pay to see that. I would pay to see Nazi <laughs> zombies in a travel lodge. Now, of course, we get, and I and actually, I it was only when I went back and watched it how good the scene is 
where the hiker, the, the, the sort of the harbinger of Dune, um, gets attacked by the zombies when he's in his tent. Yeah. I do really, really like that. And it's that sort of, um, is a really, really good build-up. And this film has got some absolutely fantastic gore. Yeah. And, and yeah, both of them. I do love a good gore scene. Yeah, I mean, it, there is something about, you know, and the fact that it doesn't take itself massively seriously. I mean, there are comedy elements in this one, and, and I think they're amped up more in the sequel. But yeah, in, the sequel's funnier. Yeah, yeah. And I think, we, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on a particular element that already people on Twitter <laughs> have, got, have got quite excited about. Um, <laughs> but it's that sort of... I think as the film goes on, it gets more and more ridiculous. There's a build and there's a build and there's a build. Um, and you get the sort of... the. I think you sort of have the sort of... The one person who looks like he is the most capable in the entire group. Um, who actually, you know, you think he's going to be right there till the end. And then he bites the dust, doesn't he? The sort of the guy who goes off on the snowplow and he sort of... He discovers yeah. the cave and those type of things. He doesn't last very long. Um which, when you think about it, he's going to be the final guy. But it, I think the film sort of quite nicely flips that on his head. Yeah. I think that's, you know, and because you've got the sort of, um, you've got Martin and Roy are the two characters um, who are sort of the last two stand-in. Um, and I love the fact that in some ways you've got sort of, they're, they're almost like two ashes. <laughs> yeah, and it's sort of, the usual is like, like that and like the Eve... Evil Dead, they kind of bucked the, the trend of the lone female survivor in horror yeah. film. Yeah. Because most modern horror films, it, you, the, you, you'll watch going, oh, I don't know who's going to survive, but mostly like, you know it's going to be one of the girls, and you can kind of tell which girl it's going to be. Yeah. And it's nice that like, yeah, Dead Snow and like the Evil Dead, they don't, they, they sort of, they instead have a lone male survivor, which is a uh, sort of more unusual now. Yeah, and I mean, I like, I do like the idea of the fa that you get, that it does buck the trend, and the two guys that are left sort of almost right to the end, and I know we're going into spoiler alerts, so like I say on every single show, if you haven't seen it, pause it, watch it, come back, and then listen to the rest of the show. You've been warned. Pause it now, and we'll be watching. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then come back. But you get that sort of, you know, it does buck the trend, doesn't it, where you get the... Um, you get probably the two more cowardly type characters. Yes. You get the two more cowardly characters. But which is quite good because it's oh, all... Scooby Doo did that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I but love Scooby Doo. It's quite good in a way because if you think about it, if you are more cowardly, you're not going to take stupid risks. You're going to be more concerned with keeping yourself safe or maybe like locking yourself away. And it's kind of like actually, those people probably would survive more than the ones who are going to like just arm themselves and go running off fighting because you know whilst that like may seem really brave and heroic and that no you're probably going to get eaten by nazis so if, if you just sort of stay back a little bit let your friends die <laughs> you, you can make your food to the end you don't have to worry about christmas anymore and it's fine <laughs> uh do you know what that would probably be pretty much what i would do um, <laughs> yeah and i think it's my... like in um zombie apocalypse plans it's like we already know which one of our friends is going to be the most useful to us and who will be the most sort of useless. So we know, kind of know like who, who we can and can't leave behind. And, <laughs> and uh, people laugh because 
we tell them we've got a hit list of the people that we'd be going after, whether they're zombies or not. And <laughs> some people, it seems, don't have a hit list. And I refuse to accept that anybody is that nice that they just don't have a list of people that they're going to hunt when zombies <laughs> I, I, it's almost like in um, uh, the remake of Dawn of the Dead, where they stood on top of the roof, and the the, the guy with the sniper rifles across the street, and they're picking <laughs> out people. Yeah, yeah. That that, is what I, that, I like. Yeah, yeah. You you coming up at the light? You drove five miles below the speed limit. That is really annoying, right? You're going as well. You didn't put in the forty zone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you need to take me out on the M50 the other day. You're going. Oh as yeah, well. that guy's definitely on my list. <laughs> Now, this in the first one, and again, I apologise. The quality of my voice is going, so excuse me. <laughs> now, the other scene that really, really goes through me in this, um, in the first Dead Snow, um, is the scene where um, it's, I think it's it's, it's um, Vigard, the guy the, uh, who goes off, and you think you know he is Mister Survival. He's out there on his own. Yeah. He discovers the cave. You know, he does quite well fighting the other zombies off. And it's where he gets bitten on the neck. And then he stitches himself. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah no. I, I hate people stitching themselves or being st- I can't. I can't watch that. I know. Yeah, and it's I, just I, that... Oh, there is something about... It's like... Um, it's like, have you ever seen the... Obviously, you may have seen... I don't know whether you've seen... Is Rambo First Blood... Oh, yes. Where he's stitching his arm, and oh, there's a yeah. bit where he pulls it through, and the blood just runs down his arm. It just goes through me. I yeah. don't know what it is about that moment. It just goes, it's, like, I can, I, there you are, the hairs on my arms are actually standing up now just thinking about it. I, mean, I can't stand seeing it. You see people doing it, it's just like sewing themselves together, and you're like, that hurts. I know how much. It hurts like when you prick your thumb when you're just doing normal sewing and that, but the, <laughs> Stitch yourself together. I'm just like, oh, God, no. How do, they, do, they, do people not feel pain? It might be like so full of adrenaline and being chased by zombies that maybe they don't, but I can, I can do it. I'd no. rather just get like a tube of super glue. I'm it, it, sure that works just as well. Yeah, I just like duct tape it back together. <laughs> hey, there is absolutely nothing that duct tape cannot solve. Exactly. Any duct tape can solve a, a host of problems. Yeah, like, so... That's what we just need to do. That's going to be in my zombie apocalypse survival kit. It's yeah. like just rows and rows of duct tape. And people would be like, have you got rations? And I'd be like, no, but I can put your arm back on if the zombie chews it off. <laughs> now, the other bit, obviously, when he gets stitched up, uh, it does lead to one of the very, very cool moments where he attaches the machine gun to his snowmobile. <laughs> now, the, it's almost as good as sharks with lasers on their heads. Um, yeah, but snowmobiles with a machine gun, I think you know that's that that's a pretty that you know, I think in terms of cool points, I think that's right up there. Yeah, definitely. Now, obviously, the bit that still makes me chuckle in this film, in the particularly in the first one, is where you've got Martin and Roy, and they are they they barricaded themselves into the cabin. They are, you know, they're trying to fight, you know, they're trying to fend off the zombies. They're trying to stop them from coming in. And then one of them comes up with the idea of using Molotov cocktails. <laughs> and the second that you know, you see the Molotov cocktail, you know it's going to end. Sure. <laughs> okay. 
I see he's excited about the idea of using Molotov cocktails. <laughs> God, he's not having Molotov cocktails. He'd be he'd cause chaos. <laughs> yeah, it's the same year. I wouldn't. I don't know. Probably a, the older dog, Henry. Our Henry is probably a little bit more sensible. The poodle, no chance. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you can just see the second that they start. Um, using the, the Molotov cocktails, it's going to end badly, and of course they end up setting fire to the uh, to the cabin. And then that, you... that, the, the, they put that in there because you know that is actually what would happen if people just start throwing Molotov cocktails, and you know no no natural pills, it all goes well. But in reality, no, you would burn your own uh, fortress down and leave yourself exposed to the zombies. Yeah, yeah, there is that sort of moment, and then I think this film is just sort of. It's you can see actually that that as like we talked about earlier that as the film goes on it builds and builds and gets sillier and sillier and sort of it's sort of and these two characters kind of reach that pinnacle and then when they finally get out of the cabin um, and they're trapped in the shed and then they get themselves all kitted up with all the different bits of sort of um, they start using the machetes and the ropes and all those type of things and then they come out to the uh, out of the shed. And then they just decide to take on the zombies, where they see all the Nazis running, the Nazi zombies running down the hill, and they charge after. I think that's a really, really well shot, well executed scene. And yeah. It's you know it, it it echoes kind of what's to come in the second one. Um, yeah. Where you get the big pitch battle. I think that's a really, really cool moment. Um, and of course, then we do get another echo, because um, there's quite a few number echoes in this film about um, with the Evil Dead, where obviously. The one character has to chop his hand off. Yeah, you know that's a really really cool moment, um, and I just think the fact that probably one of the most used, like we've talked about, the one of the most useless characters in the entire film, um, almost becomes the hero. Now, yeah, and then but then you get the he sort of well he's sort of fighting all the zombies. He's right in the moment where he turns around and then he accidentally kills his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, always funny. <laughs> Right. Okay. Confession time. Um, this episode should should have been out a little bit earlier. However, the internet and software gods have decided otherwise and uh, just decided, no, nah, that ain't going to happen and cut us off halfway. So we are back and we're going to be finishing up talking about Dead Snow and Dead Snow 2. And of course, I am being so kindly rejoined by the one, <laughs> the only cat and link, Seal Raven. How are we doing? Wicked. In a bit of pain, having had just come back from a tattoo like 20 minutes ago uh, on the stomach, and it stings like like anything, basically. <laughs> I can't believe that you've had your, tat- your stomach tattooed. Like um, everyone, everyone said to us, uh, whenever you mentioned me getting our stomachs in, they'd all go, ooh, and everyone be like, oh my God, that's like the worst place. That's so painful. So I like went and terrified, and I'm like, no, you'll be fine. You sit really nicely. Like through the first two hours of mine I like barely felt it nearly fell asleep because the vibrations on my stomach <laughs> yeah. really right, nice. okay. and then like, the last hour of mine got like a little bit painful but like, even now it's like fine and a link and um so I said things you know no it's not that bad like seriously I barely felt it and things is like mine hurt all the way through <laughs> I, I gotta be honest I bleed like my one on my back I bled like a stuck pig I don't know <laughs> what was going on that day my body just decided nope you're just gonna bleed I didn't bleed on this one. Like the ones that I've got on my, I've got one on my left bicep and one on my right shoulder. 
And I bled on those and had like really nice little blood juice on it. It looked really effective. I didn't bleed on this one at all. It's like, it's not even pink. Nice. Anyway, talking of blood and bleeding, where did we leave off? That was it. Accidentally killing his girlfriend. And laughing about it. Yes, and maniacally laughing about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, again, similar to that. (laughs) Now, obviously, in the interim, you guys have gone back and sort of looked at it again, and I've actually gone back and looked at some stuff. Now, I know we covered quite a bit earlier on, but is there anything that sort of when you went back and had a look at it, that sort of you thought, oh, I forgot about that, or oh god, that oh, was a really uh, funny scene, or you know, yeah, oh god, yeah, the sex on the toilet, oh my god, oh, that, I, I, how oh, could we forget about oh, that? I, I, I wiped, I must have wiped it from my memory. The whole time <laughs> I'm watching it, I'm going, but the smell, it's not erotic. <laughs> well, some of the scent of poo wafting around the head. It's I just, mean, it's a very niche it. market. It's a very niche thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there, there are people out there who would... Who would now I know I thing. forgot about the scene. I was obviously very traumatised by it. <laughs> I was just like, oh, God, just at least let him flash. <laughs> <laughs> now, but actually, the, the build-up after that scene, I think, is really, really well handled and really... Yeah. Um, it's quite suspenseful. And, yeah. you know, and we spoke about this sort of earlier on. I think there are so many nods to Sam Raimi and the Evil Dead films. And I think oh, yeah. and I think in the in the sort of the early kills, um, you definitely get that sense that it's that sort of um, you get that you get that sort of build up to it. Yeah. And I mean, it's um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty grim scene because. Um, is it? Um, oh, what's his name? The character's name. He's wearing a brain dead T-shirt, which is really cool. Which is another really, really good film. Um, I think it's Erland, isn't it? Erland. That's yes. the character's name. Erland. Erland was one with the like the long hair. Who yeah, was, like, that, on the yeah. snowmobile. Yeah, and it was his girlfriend Sarah that was like mm. cross country skiing across to get there. I mean, that was you know I think that was quite an impressive kill. Um, you know. In scene, and I one of the things that I liked about it is they, even though we knew, you know, you, you obviously get the idea that it's a, it's a Nazi zombie movie, but they didn't throw them in right at the beginning. No, you, they're, they're kind of hidden. A, it built up the tension because yeah, obviously they got that guy that comes in and tells him the story, and then it's like, and was a bit of a dick about it. Yeah, <laughs> and um, so like at, at the beginning, it's just then sort of in a hut, and then they meet this strange guy, and it's like, yeah, the zombies don't. Nazi zombies don't come in until like obviously they find the uh, the goat then in the, the floorboard. So it's nice because you don't obviously you know it's zombies because it's on the front, but it's nice that yeah they're not there right at the start. It's only once you sort of find the goat that they're kind of like awoken and yeah um, they start coming for them then. Yeah, and I mean the other thing as well, which is quite cool, even though they talk about the curse and the you know a few that they still leave quite a bit of that open because they never talk about exactly where they're buried or how yeah. they, they, it's it's quite mysterious and I like the openness of that. Yeah. I think and, that's a really uh, cool you know really cool thing. Yeah, it's sort of and I like how they sort of set up for like a sequel but like at the end you think oh oh god it's like it's all gone now you know he's like surrounded Martin's like surrounded by them like yeah. at the end with his arm missing which is nice because like sort of that's a nice nod to Evil Dead as well, because you know, that obviously in Evil Dead, Ash's hand gets possessed and he cuts it off. Yeah. And then his Martin gets bitten, so 
he cuts his arse if he doesn't turn zombie and then he's the sort of scene where like then they just they bite him in the balls and he's just like, <laughs> nope <laughs> nope not going up and again even though the humor's really really broad in it there's some he plays that really really well because it could yeah. be you know somebody could, you know i think you know the actor handles that gag really really well and it's quite a clever it's just a little nod to the camera yeah, yeah, it's it's really subtle but really good. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a great film. I really do, and I think some of the performances in this film are absolutely fantastic. And we talked about like um, we talked earlier on about sort of um, the guy who ended up becoming the lead in the in the sequel, um, and I think how him and his sort of his his sort of pal, even though they are completely useless and pretty much everything they touch turns to shit rapidly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, setting the apartment, setting the hut on fire and uh, they're knocking themselves in the hut. But it's like, I love the way Roy dies as well. Yeah. yeah. And so I, they're just standing there, like, faces covered in blood and then the Herzog is like, arise, and then they're like, oh, no. And then because Roy gets impaled on tea and gets, like, his gut sucked out. And I, Yeah, the one that I forgot, which I, I also love, is when Erland is hanging off the cliff by the zombie's oh, intestines. Yeah. Yes. With the other zombie as well. It's, like, brilliant. But I, 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 I'm a big fan of a good intestine gag, and they really get quite a bit of mileage out of it. Hanging entrails. Yes. Erland hanging off the cliff with the zombie attached to him, and he's hanging onto another zombie's uh, intestines. That is, yeah, that is a great scene, and I think it's, it's played. Genius. Yeah, it's played really, really well. And like, there's so many, you know, they do do the intestines gag a couple of times in the in the whole thing, but um, it's played really, really well. And the fact that this film could be could have been so big and so campy, and yeah. But they don't. They rein it right in. They yeah, do. They do that throughout there, so because you think, oh god, Nazi zombies. This is just going to be um, a bad film with this one gimmick that like lasts through the whole film. Yeah, and that's what we expect. We were expecting it to be, you know, just a typical bad movie, but with a Nazi zombie gimmick. But it's it isn't at all. The the writing's really good, and they do it. They do it really well, so you're not like concentrating on, you know, oh god, Nazi zombies. It's, you know, that you can sort of sense it like fear and also kind of bewilderment because whilst this crazy guy tells them like what's going on and they find the coins, it doesn't really hit home to them for a while. And because the one girl goes missing like from the toilets for ages, yeah. and when they find the twig that actually she hasn't come back, yeah. and it maybe there is. And then obviously they think it's the crazy guy that's got her. But. Yeah. Now, I mean, there's in terms of sort of a subgenre. I mean, obviously Nazi horror movies have been, you know, are quite big. And I mean, there's been the, um, there's been quite a few. I mean, you've got like, um, um, you've got all the SS camp movies. You've got like, um, like uh, Elsa, um, Elsa of the SS, and all those type of things. And you know. They're, they're fairly I, low. Sky, isn't there? So that, that's a Nazi one, isn't it? Yeah, Maybe Iron Sky, that. yeah, where they're hiding on the moon. Mm. Yeah. Not a great film. Not a great no. film. But no. I mean, the Nazi zombie subgenre has got some really, really good films in it. So, yeah, have. have you seen the Outpost movies? Yeah. Well, we've got, we found one of them in our DVD collection. I was like, oh, I don't know we owned that one. So, yeah, I remember seeing <laughs> We saw it through our DVD collection and found that we had, like, two long-term box sets and two copies of Girls with Dragon Tattoo and some other duplicates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. 
to I'm, let let the right ones in. It's yeah. like, I don't know how that happened. That's so really so we, cool. took, we took them to Liverpool and so done. <laughs> I mean, like you've got, you know, the, the other you got, you got the outpost movies. They're really, they're well worth a look. Um, yeah, they are. You've got. Um, have you ever seen Shockwave? No. With uh, Peter Cushing, isn't it? Peter Cushing plays this. Um, he's an SS officer, and he's hiding on this like um, Caribbean island. He's got a big scar down his face, and what he's done, he, he was experimenting with. Uh, with the, and then almost creating these Nazi zombies and these people get sort of um, marooned on the island. It's a really, really good film. And Arrow have got a Blu-ray release of it, which is absolutely oh, brilliant. It's well worth a look. Oh, we'll have to check yeah, that one out. Yeah, do good things with their releases. They usually do phone a lot of extras on their, their oh, Blu-rays. I mean, Arrow are absolutely fantastic. I mean, I you know I'm somewhat obsessed. Um, with them and the transfers are always really really good because sometimes yeah. you get some blu-ray transfers and they're not particularly good but there are some absolutely superb um there are some absolutely superb films out there by arrow so anytime there's a good you know a good you know a, a film that you're not quite sure on but you see an arrow release is well worth it it is well worth it so we've had the we've discussed the death on the toilet scene Mm-hmm. We've discussed the the use of entrails, the subtle <laughs> co- comedic elements to uh, to this film. Now, last time we came back and we gave some scores, but obviously our listeners wouldn't hear to that because um, you know the internet is a douche and yeah. Skype is a fucking douche. Please don't crap yep. out on me. Please don't crap out on me, Skype. I was only going to kid in. Say to me, do you want to install an update? And I was like, Nah, I think I made the right choice. Yes, good call. Good call. So. Here we go. Dead Snow, the first one. What's your score, girls? It was eight, wasn't it? Was yeah, eight. Are, are we sticking with eight? Oh, I don't know. I might need to up it a bit. Maybe like eight point five. Now that we've seen yeah. it again, it's like it's fresh in my memory. Eight point five. See, could have been nine, but it loses half a point for the toilet scene. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going eight point five. See, I'm up in it now, having seen like the intestine, the hanging on to the intestine off a cliff. It's like that. That's raised it for me. Yeah, I mean, it's a. <laughs> it's you know, I think any film that that can add, you know, can effectively add a hanging off uh, the cliff by somebody's intestines. Um, for me, I'm I'm going to stick with my eight because I think it's a great. Um, I think it's a great film. It's well worth. And now my voice is going. This is going so well. <laughs> um, I think it's such a good film. I think it's so well put together. I think yeah. um, the humour in it is really, really good. I love the little nods to Evil Dead and, yeah. you know, to Brain Dead is in there. Um, and I just think overall it is a, one of those films that you just check on and you have a complete, you just enjoy it um, from start to finish. So for me, it's an eight. So yeah. whilst the Skype gods are still with us, let's <laughs> jump on over to Dead Snow 2, Dead, uh, Red versus Dead. Now, for this one, would you think it's fair to say that the comedy element is much, much broader? Yes, it, it is. It's more obvious in this one. Yeah, because obviously in the first one it is more subtle. But, yeah, um, yeah the comedy in Dead Snow 2 is sort of, it is, because you, you laugh sort of more throughout it. It was like Dead Snow one, you kind of, there's bits that that you laugh at, and um, it's very subtle humour, but 
yeah, the, the comedy Death Note Two is is a lot broader. It's sort of it is overall a, a much funnier film. Yeah, yeah, and you get that pretty much from the off, don't you? You think you know you've yeah. got Martin. Um, you know where he's uh, where he realizes he's forgot to return the coin, and then you've yeah. got um, you've got Herzog, the Nazi zombie general, hanging off his car, and he ends up sort of decapitating his arm. Um, yeah. And then he he wakes up in the hospital, and then of course they've sewn the zombie Nazi arm to him, and the scene where he sort of he's trying to convince the police that he hasn't killed all his friends, and then suddenly he <laughs> kills pretty much everyone in the room. Yeah, is... so the zombie arm. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that's not going to convince him that he's innocent. No, no, not at all. And you know, of course, the other bit that I really, really love is where he kills that really annoying child actor. <laughs> yeah. um, because you know, you know, you know, it's a serious horror, or they're going to take their gorsia when the child dies. Yeah, when the kid snuffs it, you know that's. The, but again, his you know that that's played for humor, and his reaction is ex. You know, I think he's a you know, uh, Martin in this film is obviously he's clearly very very traumatized from the events in the first one, and he has a touch of the ash about him, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he kind of goes a little bit crazed, and so you wouldn't think of him as like the film's hero, especially like from the first film as well. And yeah, um, but. Yeah, he sort of he he does uh, rise to it pretty well, and it goes a little bit insane with it. I I feel. Yeah, yeah, and I mean the the other bit with Bobby that I love is where he's trying to save him, and he's trying to perform CPR, and then obviously he's using his zombie arm, and he accidentally crushes his chest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he puts his hands straight through him. I love that. Now, how did you find um, the introduction of the zombie squad to uh, to the second one? Um, in some ways, they provided some of the comedy, but in other ways, I don't know, they were a little much. Mm. Did, did you find it, them a felt, little great in? Yeah, it felt more like a typical American coming to save the world. Yeah, yeah. that's how it's fine, because like, obviously it's a, a German film and that, but yeah, it did feel, you know, that the Americans always think that they're the heroes, and it did feel, yeah, to me, like it was the sort of thing of, Oh, America's got involved, so America's going to save everything. You know, like how they think that they won the war for everybody. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I won't get into my rant uh, about, the, about the film Pearl Harbor. <laughs> I think my rant about Pearl Harbor is... I think that's a show in itself. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> now, obviously, they, you, you get the... And you get the flitting back and forth between English and... Um, and Swedish, and I think sometimes that's a little that does take a little bit away from it, but also yeah, cause, yeah. The first thing being all, all in um, oh, is it sweet? No, I can't remember the line, but you know, yeah, Scandinavian. Mm-hmm. It's like I like that. I mean, I, when it makes you concentrate, cause you've got to read it. You can't look away and be doing Norwegian. Sorry, Norwegian. It. I've said Sweden, and we've just bounced all around. It's Norwegian. I think I said German. It's- <laughs> <laughs> We're just getting it wrong, so I'm sorry, guys. No, you know, no angry Vikings knock on my door. Uh, yeah, but um, you know, it's like you know, it likes it. I, it feels more like a proper foreign film, and so then switching into English then in the second one, it, it does kind of lose a bit of that. That 
you know, it does take away from the fact of you're watching a foreign film, and again, it's bringing it more. It's it more Americanized. Yeah, yeah, it does feel more Americanized then. Yeah, I mean, both films though are absolutely beautifully shot. I think they are yeah. fantastically uh, shot, yeah. and they look really, really good. What I do love in the second one, it does sort of, it has that film of a trauma film. That feel it's got the film of a trauma movie, like you know, like yeah. the Toxic Avenger or Captain Kabuki, and that you know, the, the Newcomb High. It has that sort of real, sort of over the top, crazy cartoon violence, um, you know, ridiculous moments in it. And I mean, the fact that you get the you know, you get them riding tanks, you get the yeah. <clears throat> you get the pitch battle at the end between the you know, between the resurrected uh, Russian zombies. Um, I love I, I love the scene where the Russians come up. It's just it's just really I think that's my favourite scene in, yeah. in the film is the Russians rise and because you don't expect it because you know you think oh maybe not more that you don't you really don't expect the Russians to get in. It's like no you know yeah. oh gosh shit, shit just goes real when the when the Russians come up. <laughs> now the other scene that I you know that I really love is the fact that Martin has his own very very own um, zombie sidekick. Yes, yes, that's brilliant. And you know, the and then fact... he realizes he can raise the dead because he's got hurt so guard yeah. arm and yeah. he just brings him back. Now, as cruel as it is, I think everybody would probably test their powers out to see how many times it would work on somebody. Yeah, so absolutely. you you've resurrected them. Okay, I'm going to kill them in some way, and then we're going to uh, see how many times he can bring. And it's the fact that he dies in so many painful ways. <laughs> I think it's... you know it's, it's like in um in game of thrones like um like when you know barrett can has been like brought back mm. so many yeah. times and it's like is there a limit to how you know he's got to wonder the next time i die is this the last time so but obviously like um father's smoke like can keep bringing him back but he's got to wonder you know d- does my power have a limit so yeah you yeah. would keep in it yeah yeah no that's right however did you notice one big goof in probably the film? Not. Yeah, not. You get you know the police cars. Yes. Now, the thing with the police cars is that you've got, and I'm trying to word this right. Um, oh God! All right, hang on. I've written it down. Hang on. I can't even read my own bloody writing yet. <laughs> hang on. Where's it by? Um. Oh, it'll come to me. But basically, the tank kind of crushes the cars. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, it's, the, the cars are back. So, like, it's in the, that's it. It's in the big, they're in the police station. And mm-hmm. the, or the, or not the police station, the police are hiding in somebody's homes. Because, oh, God, uh, I, found, yeah. I found them really irritating. Yeah. I found them really, really irritating. And they're hiding inside a home. And they sort of see, they see Martin's character. Um, and then you you get a shot of Martin, and he has his right arm completely covered in blood, mm. and there's no skin visible. But the next shot, you see his arm, and it's completely clean. Uh, and it, yeah. there's a couple of shots where he keeps flitting back and forth. That that was like one of the biggest goofs that I actually you know that I found in it. It was one of those like ah oh, oh that's the continuity error. And my wife is yeah. terrible for picking those things up, and yeah. she will never ever miss an opportunity to point it out. No, when when we were um, working on the film Clownface, like part of our job was continuity with stuff like blood, so we'd be constantly taking photos of 
and the bird looked and then they showed this an edited version of me like the knife is clean in that shot it's because they shot a clean version and then shot the bloody version and, and we were like he's just stabbed the man the knife shouldn't be clean and, and, and they were like oh yeah yeah we'll, we'll fix that and i'm thinking i bet you will <laughs> <laughs> so because it's, like, it's our job to keep up with the continuity we're like hang on a minute how did, so talking of clown face because obviously, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's great that I'm a big fan of indie um, of indie horror movies, and I think it's really important because I think some of the best and cleverest ideas come out of indie horror, and yeah. you know, it's these type and it's these smaller films like Dead Snow that kind of go under the radar, but kind of change the you know they bring new ideas, they bring fresh approaches. Well, yeah, because like Hollywood seems to just do the same tries and tests method, like oh, remakes. Remakes. indie. You got a lot more. Freedom. A lot more freedom to do what you want because obviously, like, you haven't got producers saying, you know, this won't make the studio money and things like that. It's you, like Halloween was an indie film, wasn't it? And, like, yeah, oh, God, yeah. There. Completely. And, and uh, so, you guys working on Clownface, have you have you guys wrapped up now? Or? Um, no, we're going back at the end of October and then there's another week in November. So, in terms of, like... Um, is it is it a short? Is it a full? Uh, the full um, it was it was a short, and then the short has formed the opening like segment of the full. So it is it is going to be a feature film. Awesome, that's awesome. So one of the things we'll definitely have to do is we'll have to get you guys back on, and when it's fully out, we'll have to have a full in depth review. You know, oh, and then uh, you guys will have to sort of you know plug it to death because obviously we want to make sure that you get everything. You know, get your plugs in, and. Uh, <laughs> Because seeing some of like your, your, you know, some of your, uh, some of the posters, uh, pictures you've uh, posted online and things, it looks, it looks, it looks a cracking idea, and it looks a really interesting film. So uh, it, I'm quite excited. Like yeah. The scene, the bits that we've seen as well. Um, obviously, we were there whilst they were shooting, but then seeing like some edited bits, it is really well shot as well. They shot it on a red camera. Nice. Which is um, obviously it's an, an expensive camera, but it. You look at it and it's like it's just so clear. It's like you're just there watching it. Yeah. And you know, for people like us who grew up with uh, VHS, uh, seeing this like like really sort of is it 4K of films? Yeah. 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 So, so it's like it's just like super sharp and it's just like oh my god wow it, it does look amazing. Sort of having been there behind the scenes and seeing the some of the scenes and some of the ghost scenes being shot as well. It's like. See really because then the guy who plays Clownface was just so much fun. And, and from Newport as well, so, you know, local boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the port. Was half, half the like, cast and crew, there was like a division, half the uh, crew were and, and cast were English and half were Welsh. So we so <laughs> had that way, like, proper band. Good. That, 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 you know, that, it sounds like you had a really good time on that. It sounds like you were having an absolute blast. Yeah, so, it, it, it was a lot of fun. Coming back to Dead Snow 2, are there any real standout moments for you? We, so we talked about the pitch battle. We talked about the, you know, Martin's new sidekick. I mean, for me, it was. I knew, you know, the second that he put his fist through the dead child's chest, <laughs> you know, that for me is a highlight. Is there any moments for you that really, really stand out? Um, for us, it's the uh, the Bonnie Tyler scene at uh, the end in the red car. Yes, I've ne- I, since watching this, I can't help but smirk every time I hear "Total Eclipse of the Heart." Yeah, yeah, same here. It's I, and do you know what? For once, I'm not going to spoil anything because I think we do. You know, the, that's the other thing. That, you know, on the show, we've told you before. You've been warned. We do spoil things. However, yeah. I am not just, going to spoil that moment for you. No, 
No, I'm, I'm not going to ruin it for people. I think that people need to witness it themselves <laughs> the way we all got to witness it in utter shock and, oh, my God. And, I, I yeah, I don't want to ruin it by uh, saying what it is. But, you know, just so that people know, when they hear the opening notes of Totally Clips of the Heart, so, that something magical is going to happen. They're like, that Something ma- I love that. Something magical. That's brilliant. That should be a tagline somewhere. Something magical. <laughs> so, I mean, there are some absolutely brilliant moments in this film. And it's, like I said, it's so well shot. Yeah, and, like the bit in the museum where he's like pretending to be a mannequin. Oh, I love that. It is just, it, it's, 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 but when you think about it, it's really simple. It's a yeah. really, really simple scene, but it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, um, you know, and I love the fact, you know, and the way in which that they um, they filmed the attack on the tourist bus. Yeah, that's a really really good scene, and I mean, the they don't pull any punches. The gore in this is really really ramped up, and yeah. I mean, everybody gets it in this film. You've got you yeah. know people in wheelchairs, you've got kids, mothers, and with babies in strollers getting. You know, everybody gets it in this film, regardless, and I think. Um, it's it's all the better for it, I feel. Yes, yes, um, and I mean, I wish more films would have the balls to do that. Yeah, because I think sometimes <laughs> Some films are like, oh no, we, we won't do that. We won't go there. Like people would be upset. Dead snow, it just doesn't care. It's like, no, I'm going there. So yeah. am I also the fact of. Like, you know, they're driving these tanks for this, like, really quiet village. Yeah. You know, but it's like tourist village. Yeah, yeah, like proper postcard village. And like, we're probably, you know, the most exciting thing happened to someone's cat getting stuck up a tree. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> these Nazis rolling in tanks. And it's like, when you think of the zombie apocalypse, you know, every, every, you know, one, everyone thinks they're going to survive it. And that, you know, zombies are easy to kill. But imagine a zombie <coughs> apocalypse. With the zombies roll into town in tanks. You don't stand a chance. No one no. predicts that. No, they don't. No, they don't. Now, the director for this, um, quite an interesting guy, Tommy Wirkolder. Um, he's, you know, he's, he did Hansel and Gretel after this, um, which I wasn't overly keen on, but, you know, and I, I kind of, I went back and looked at it recently because we've had a bit of a bit of a gap, and I've got to go back and finish it, but it was okay. I, it, it's one of those things you can just chuck on in the background. Now, yeah, so not, not quite to the same level as Dead Snow. No, no, not quite. But he has a film coming out very, very soon called Afterburn, and it's about a Perfect. group of post-apocalyptic treasure hunters. Ooh. Now, he had me at post-apocalyptic, <laughs> throw in treasure hunters, and I'm there. I'm really, really looking forward to that one. So I think that's one to keep an eye out for. Yeah, that does sound interesting because like, a lot of po- post-apocalyptic films tend to sort of try and go down like the Mad Max route. And yeah. But that time, I, I think he could do something very interesting with that. Have you guys ever seen The Road or read the book The Road? No, I don't think Cormac so. Cormac McCarthy. Oh, man, it's, it is so bleak. It is so bleak, but it is absolutely beautiful. If you get you, you have to. In terms of post-apocalyptic fiction, I, I, I quite like a post-apocalyptic stuff, um, but it is the road is just absolutely majestic, and the way it's written, the book is um, incredible, and the film. Um, I think it was on the other day. Or is it on tonight? 
Okay. If you get the chance, watch it. Viggo Mortensen is in it, and he is absolutely superb. However, don't watch it thinking you're going to get, you know, it, it, it ain't a happy film. <laughs> Good. We don't on, like happy films. On any kind of level. Um, but it is, you know, if I, you know, to anybody who's listening, read the book, see the film. It is absolutely fantastic. It is well worth it. Um yeah. I can't mind this one tomorrow because I read it in the TV magazine, Mr. Benson. Oh, it's, so, it's well worth it. Now. It is well, well worth it. So, are there any other moments that stand out for you in this one, in Dead Snow 2? Hmm. Um, oh, I, I do like it when they sort of go to, to war with the, the zombies, just like right in the middle of the village. And yeah. It's just like that's just brilliant. Yeah, and, and it's, like, really... it's like proper full-on Game of Thrones-style battle with the Nazis and the Russians, and everyone's already dead. And yeah, yeah, it's just brilliant. The whole battle, the battle scene is brilliant, and it's really well shot and really well choreographed. I, yeah, again, I I think it kind of rounds the film off quite nicely. It yeah. does, yeah. You know, the other standout for me is uh, Vigo Holds Martin, the tracksuit that he wears. <laughs> there is nothing quite like, you know, a skin tight green tracksuit that isn't, you know, is it shell? Oh, I don't know. Or is it that horrible material stuff? It's that shiny material, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. probably that. But yeah, because. You don't expect it, you know, when you think about heroes in action films, they are not... look really cool. They're not in shell suits. No. Yeah. And I actually, I've not seen anyone cosplay him. I am disappointed. Maybe because you can't get shell suits anymore. <laughs> that would be an awesome cosplay. That would it be an would. awesome one. Right. So, guys, score time. Where do you guys come in on Dead Snow 2, Red versus Dead? Uh, we gave it an 8.5, didn't we? Yeah. The, the humour in it, obviously, is plentiful. And, zombie um, psychic, and yeah, the yeah, zombie psychic, Russians, the tanks, and it's just Bonnie Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> Bonnie fucking Bonnie Tyler. Bonnie Tyler, raises it. was like the, um, you know, the other one lost points for, like, the toilet scene. The Bonnie Tyler scene sort of ups this one. Yeah. I think, you know, do you know what? I'm going to agree with you because I kind of enjoyed this one. Even though this one, I think, has a few more little moments in it that are a little bit irritating. Like I said about the police, I found them a little bit distracting. Mm -hmm. And the the back and forth with the zombie squad, I think, is a little bit clunky at times. However, I think this this film has more than enough moments to make up for those. And I kind of enjoyed it a little bit more than the first one. Yeah. So I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna give this one an eight point five as well, and I think it's a it's a must own. I think if you're a fan of Nazi zombies or zombie movies in general, you need to own Dead Snow and Dead Snow Two because they are just, I, and I think they're gonna be bona fide classics in a, in years to come. Yeah, I reckon so. It's like and it's good because like you know you think of the classics and a lot of them tend to be like big budget and sort of like all Hollywood stuff, and it's like. And it's nice that, and I actually think foreign films do horror so much better than yeah, um, I in mean, America. Have you seen Train to Busan yet? Not yet, but we are desperate to see it because we've got so, so much, many good reviews. It, uh, Train to Busan is absolutely brilliant. It's really, really good. The other great Korean film um, out is The Wailing. That's mm. really, it's long. 
it's a lot. It's a bum number. It is, you know, it's a good two and a two plus two plus hours. Oh wow! But it's it's so good. It is so good. It is so good. Um, and like audition. Have you seen? Have you guys seen audition? No, we haven't. Seen oh that. man, that is such a. It's a Takashi Miike film. It's a Japanese horror. Oh man, you will never be able to look a piano wire in the same way. It <laughs> is just. It is brilliant. It is a brilliant, brilliant film. Scandinavian films like Troll Hunter. That yes. was brilliant. Loved that. Yeah, I, I like Troll Hunter. There needs to be more Scandinavian horror films. Yeah, there needs to be less focus on like just Hollywood remakes, isn't it? And just more. Let's bring in some more foreign Was Killer Bunny thing Norwegian? I think so. Have you seen Killer Bunny thing? No, I haven't seen No. Oh, oh my God. It's this giant GM rabbit that basically kills people with his penis. It basically, it's a man in a in an evil bunny suit that like has nice. penis and then kills people with it. D- you, okay, <laughs> I think to be honest with you, we should just edit everything out and just finish up on the word helicopter in penis. <laughs> so uh... <laughs> it is bizarre. It's just so wrong. It can only be right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the last sort of um, rabbit-related horror film that I actually watched was Night of the Leapers. Oh, recently. That have you seen Night of the Leapers? I think it's from like uh, it's, I think it's from the seventies, um, uh-huh. and it's about these giant mutant bunny rabbits that uh, that terrorize America. However, what they've basically done is they've tried to sort of make these white, fluffy, cute little rabbits look really evil and sinister. And even <laughs> when, but they don't; they just look really cute. And just so you just see we've them. Got white, we've got um, a white, cute, fluffy rabbit called Ghost. And he's got red eyes, so he could be a demon bunny. <laughs> but, you know, even though they put them in like you know the, these miniature sets and you see these rabbits just bouncing around, <laughs> there's nothing terrifying about them in <laughs> any way, shape, or form. Funny. Yeah, so Night to the Leapers, you must, you must see that. Um, yeah, it's a great, it's, a, it's well worth it. It's terrible. It's terrible on so many levels. Scared of anything that has a cotton puff tail. (laughs) (laughs) It's impossible. So, just so we before we say goodbye, uh, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for coming back on. That's okay. Uh, Really, really appreciate it. Now, fingers crossed. I'm hoping to see you guys at Bristol HorrorCon. Yay! On the weekend. Actually, um. We're going to be doing a reading there. Cool. Uh, reading from Malignant Dead, because we're going to be dressed as plague doctors. We thought Malignant Dead, it's about a plague doctor, so that would be perfect. We've also been asked to take part in a dead author panel. And we, typical us, we agreed without knowing what we were agreeing to. <laughs> We've since read the email this week. Bear in mind, it's on Saturday. And um, you have to like pick a dead author give a brief bio and then have like three rounds of competition of prose, scare factor and influence and then the audience will vote for the best. So we've gotten for Edgar Allan Poe. Nice. So obviously we've got a couple of days and we've now got to research Edgar Allan Poe and find out all about him and then we're like, maybe we won't mention that he married his 13-year-old cousin because might, people might not vote him up for that. But... Yeah. Incestuous. <laughs> so we'll leave up yeah. tonight the alcohol abuse as well. well. We'll neglect to mention that as well. Well, it could have been. Like, yeah, so it's on Saturday. We haven't even started preparing for it. So they'll, they'll literally come to us and we'll just go, it's Poe. <laughs> yeah. Just watch, you know, just watch the Simpsons episode where they took off the Raven. <laughs> yeah. See now, I mean, I like Edgar Allan Poe. I think he's a very. I think the Telltale Heart is a wonderful, wonderful story. 
Yeah, see, Poe is the, the Raven poems where we got our Raven surname from. Yeah. And um, I, I do love the poem, and it's always quite handy because in the poem, um, obviously, it's Lenore, and our land's name was Lenore. Nice. And there it stood above my chamber door, gently rapping a tapping above my door. I love no. I, it would really piss me off someone constantly knocking my door. I get really annoyed. I'm all that poem about it. I just get really pissed off about that. Really? <laughs> now, it's it's a great, great... He's a great, great, great writer, and he's got so many... I mean, the other one is, I'm a big fan of H.P. Lovecraft as well. Who yeah, one of the other authors has picked him. Right. And I think M.R. James is the other one, and then there's one more. Who's the other one? James Herbert? Is James he Herbert, nice. Is he dead? I think he's dead. I think he's on the list. Yeah, James Herbert's he dead. If he's dead, then otherwise he shouldn't be on the list. Well, the one thing with James Herbert, um, he is responsible for my rat phobia. <laughs> I have a massive fear of rats. Oh, see, I like rats. It's the, it just it, it's since reading the book, the rats at, a, at probably a far too younger age. It just messed me. I can't even go into the rat section in pets at home. <laughs> So, come on then, guys. Where can our wonderful, wonderful patient listeners find you, buy your stuff, interact with you? We are everywhere like a terrible rash. We're, we're <laughs> on Twitter uh, at CLRaven. We're on Instagram at CLRaven666. Which is mostly filled with our perfect videos, our gymnastic fails and pet photos. <laughs> And nice and tattoo ones. Yeah, nice and tattoo ones. And um, CR Raven Fan Club on Facebook. Also, crraven.wordpress.com. And then our YouTube channel is Raven's Retreat, where we, well, do book readings, ghost hunting shows, urbex and gymnastic fails, <laughs> both. Uh, you say uh, about your gymnastics fails, you guys are getting much, much better. See, we don't think we are. I saw your head spring the other day. Uh, and that yeah. looked really, really good. It, that, actually, that, that was quite impressive. See, we're trying to do round up, the court round ups on the floor. Yeah, and that's hard. Do, when we can't come to do it on the floor, we just can't do it. And we forget how to do it. So our teacher keeps inventing new ways to get us to do like, the shape and the bounce and all of it. And then when we come to transfer it on the floor, we're just like, nope, nope, still can't do that. No. But, because it's October, we've decided that all our gymnastics lessons through October are to be done in fancy dress. <laughs> so we, we planned it in a... We've wrote two of the girls in. Yeah, our friends, Sarah and Sarah. So, um, first week, I was Miss Jason Voorhees, and Lynx was uh, Miss Freddy Krueger. And then last... Uh, this week, I was a devil. But, but my tail kept falling off. Every time <laughs> well, I, of course, you know, gymnastics and tails, it's, it's, it's <laughs> a difficult thing to pull off. It wasn't good. And, like, I showed up with, like, tails, a horn. And I tried it, and our team instructor was like, "You can't have tried it. Not he said in your hands. That is going to be really dangerous." And then one of the other guys um, came up, and he was like, "Oh my god, in your hands, this trident's going to be really dangerous." And he said, "It wasn't the trident; it was the tail that tried to trick me." <laughs> I, I was Edward Scissorhands, and nice. so um, next week we're going to dress as two of the Sucker Punch girls because we love Sucker Punch. And uh, we like seem to be the only people who love Sucker Punch. And then, uh, do you know final... what? I don't mind Sucker Punch. I don't mind it. It's, it's quirky. It is. It is. It's. It is a quirky film, and I think it's got its. It's got its pluses, and it's got you know. There, I think that it's. It's got a few faults, but I think overall, yeah. it's. It's entertaining. Yeah, and then for our final week, we're going to be bloody nurses. So. <laughs> 
It's all planned so, out. So more importantly, my horn stayed on while I somersaulted. See, my so. Freddy Cougar hat didn't. It was a little big and it came off. And I feel that the hat coming off is why I screwed up the somersault. I landed flat on my ass. <laughs> and I felt ricochet at my spine, which isn't good because I, I got scoliosis. It's like any kind of impact on the spine. I feel it all the way up my back. And the, I feel if the hat stayed on, that, that wouldn't have happened. When I put my horns and tail on, my move in the, the round of facts of the champion improved tremendously. I like, nailed it. <laughs> right. And also, guys, since you are the queens of the convention scene, yep. and I know you are pretty much out all the time, every single yeah, you, you are did, everywhere. Yeah, we did Liverpool this weekend and managed to adopt the first Jason Voorhees. I, I, I saw that; that was impressive. He like we were chatting to him. We got a free autograph, three CDs, and then he insisted <laughs> on coming to our table and he wanted the box. We gave him deadly reflections. Then he just spent forty-five minutes hanging out with us, just two in the convention. So we were taking him around to all our friends. And then, like, other traders, when we were stopping at still were, like, just, like, flocking over. And then he, he came back to us, like, an hour later and read out the first line of Deadly Reflections, which is a story <laughs> called Paranormality Setting in Asylum. And the line is, gravel crunched like a thousand broken bones. And he That's went, a great line. He went, I love it. It's like poetry. And then I took one of our other friends over for an autograph because he was, like, too nervous to go and speak to him. So I was like, I'll come with you. <laughs> and I took him over. And um, Ari again read out the line, and he went, I've been reading this out to everyone. It's like, oh, my God. It's Jason. a great line. It's a great it's, line. Jason Voorhees loves our work. <laughs> and then, like, he, us and our mate Dave got invited back to his hotel for a meal. He was like, I'll buy you a meal, because like, he was a vegan as well. And But he was going to be, like, another hour at the convention, and we had a four-hour drive home. And um, we knew we were going to get home to, like, at least 3 a.m. if oh he left sleep. Yeah, and so yeah. we were like, we had to turn him down in the end. We were gutted, but it was not, not many people get invited to uh, hang out with Jason Voorhees. No, did, nobody walked in the room. Did it suddenly start going, kah, 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 kah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that would have been good. But, like, he, was, he was performing as Arx, he's a singer, and he was just so good. And we got to watch um, G. Tom Mack, who was from Aiden, who did the um, Cry Little Sister from Lost Boys. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got to see him perform live. That's really cool. And he did Cry Little Sister live. It was just amazing. Yeah. Wow. And then there was another Jason Voorhees, CJ Graham, who was Jason Six. Um, yeah. He's a big guy, isn't he? He's huge. He's huge. We like came up to his armpits. Yeah. It was Abby small because Abby was child Jason, so he was quite small. And we were seeing yeah. like the other Jason's are really big, but Abby's quite little. But yeah, CJ Graham is huge. It's like, oh my God. So where else are you guys going to be appearing? Because you've got Bristol HorrorCon this weekend. We've got Bristol HorrorCon this weekend. We've got Hull Horror Festival on the 21st. Nice. And then we're at Birmingham HorrorCon on the 27th and 28th. 28th and 29th. Uh, yeah, 28th 29th. Yeah, we're doing Clown Face the 26th and 27th. And then Birmingham HorrorCon 28th and 29th. So it's like, so it's like straight after Clown Face. We're going to be knackered. I think we're just going to like sleep under our table in uh, Birmingham. <laughs> And also, where can the good people purchase your fantastic books? Uh, they were on Amazon. Um, there's also like link on our blog as well if they wanted a signed copy direct from us. Uh, they can just email us and, or message us through one of the, the accounts and so they, they can buy signed in. Or at the cons as well, signed in at the cons. Cool. Now, is there anything else that you guys would like to say to the good listeners out there, and where, or anything else that you want to, you know, want them to want, want them to follow, look at, or you know, anything else you want to plug? 
Um, oh, we, well, if you enjoy listening to us talk, we do have a radio show on uh, Vitalize Radio. It is awesome, and you play great music. Oh, thank, uh, thank you very much. We just we're doing a Halloween show this Friday, seven so. till nine. So um, it's all going to be Halloween themed. So nice. um, it's going to be some Marilyn Manson. Um, so um, actually, it's a Bristol-based band that who are, who were doing a theme song for Clownface called um, Lesbian Bed Death. So we're going to play one of their songs, <laughs> and um, there's going to be some Michael Jackson as well. Yeah, you got to have filler on the Halloween show. There's going to be some Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper gets played every week. Actually, so does Marilyn Manson. Yeah. Really. We're basically just trying to educate the young uns and uh, <laughs> on, what, on what constitute good music. Well, they got to learn. They got to they learn. Have. They, they have. They've got to learn. introduced them to Skunk and Nancy, and like, no one had heard of Skunk and Nancy when like, we felt super old then. Hey, I know. Well, like, I know. I hear of Skunk and Nancy, and I'm proper <laughs> old. Really... <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, girls, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, looking forward to catching you guys on the weekend. Yes. Um, if we're uh, not at that table, you know we're at the panel or doing the reading. Yeah, the panel because we haven't researched what we're supposed to be saying. <laughs> nice, nice. So once again, thank you so much for coming on. I'll make sure all your stuff is in the show notes, and uh, I will see you guys hopefully at Bristol Horicon. Yes, looking forward to it. Yeah, we, we have a plan. If I could start, if we start to like be really unpopular on the panel, we'll just start like wrapping the raven, and that might be like win the panel. <laughs> Bobby, yes. Can you beatbox? Because like, no. I, I don't think I could beatbox. Maybe she'd record some and beatbox him and just like rap the way. <laughs> or better yet, just do it really badly. Yeah. That would be we awesome. I love the people at all. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you so much, girls. I really appreciate okay. it. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. As always, I want to say a big thank you to CL Raven for coming back on and uh, helping us out with that little technical error there. <laughs> um, now, it's time for What the Wookiee Watched. So, up first, we have got 1988's Hell Comes to Frogtown. Let's check out the trailer. Reflect for a moment on the art of cinema. Think of a motion picture like The Last Emperor and the nine Academy Awards it so richly deserved. Consider the profound emotional experience of a truly great film. Then forget it, sweetheart. Yes, better blow it out your exhaust pipe, cinema lover, because here comes fun with hair on it. Oh, that's disgusting. You're gonna see the biggest piece of shattering entertainment that ever molested your sensibilities. That sounds great. Want a plot? Here it is. It's the end of the 20th century, and mankind has blown its wad. <laughs> the fate of humanity rests in the groin of one man. Their leader, Commander Toady, has kidnapped some pilgrims who wandered into their territory. We're gonna get them out, and then you're gonna get them pregnant. Yes, if you want a brilliant film, you can go right to... We're going to Frogtown. Hell comes to Frogtown. <laughs> Starring wrestling superstar, Rowdy Roddy Piper. <laughs> Move over, Mr. Mel Gibson and Mr. Robert De Niro. Here comes acting talent and sensitivity like you've never seen. You are one weird dude. 
And speaking of talent, turn green, Ms. Meryl Streep. Here's Sandal Bergman, the exquisite star of Red Sonia and Conan the Barbarian. Hell comes to Frogtown, a story of mutant sex and people like you and me. It's hot, it's wet. And it's bad. It's Hell comes to Frogtown. <laughs> oh, man, I love this film. Um... I've got a lot of fond memories watching this. Um, of course, <laughs> Hell Comes to Frogtown from 1988. Uh, it stars Rowdy Roddy Piper. It stars William Smith, Sandal Bergman, Eddie Bride, Lee Garlington. Yeah, that'll do. Lee Garlington, uh, Julius Lefleur, and RCB. Um, it also stars um, Rory Calhoun in one of his... Uh, one of his last sort of roles, really. Um, but um, <laughs> I think you could tell from the trailer, in no shape or form should Hell Comes to Frogtown ever be taken seriously. It is a complete send-up right from the beginning. Um, I think the... <laughs> in terms of Roddy Piper movies, this is right up there. Of course, when everybody talks about a Roddy Piper film, um, they automatically jump to They Live. However, I think his performance in this is really, really good. I think him and Sandal Bergen, uh, Bergman sorry, have some excellent chemistry. I think the, um, the frog effects are absolutely brilliant. I, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of, um, of practical effects, and I'm a big fan of that, of that type of practical effect. Um, this is a great great film i think the dance of the three snakes set piece is just ridiculous um however it does have a it, it the whole film has this wonderfully camp quality to it um i love it i think it's it's well worth a saturday afternoon sitting down and watching it or getting a group of your friends together and watching it with a few drinks i think it is a fantastic film and for me um it's a 7.5 out of 10 Okay, up next, we are looking at The Mask of Satan, a.k.a. Black Sunday from 1960. Let's check out the trailer. Not since Dracula stalked the earth has the world known so terrifying a day or night. It's I who renounce you, and in the name of Satan, I place a curse upon you. Black Sunday is like no motion picture you've ever seen. There are those who believe and those who do not. But both must know the suspense, the shock of meeting the living dead and of bringing the dead to life. Look into my eyes. Embrace me. You will die. But I can bring you pleasures mortals cannot know. Black Sunday. The most terrifying motion picture you'll ever see. Thank <laughs> you. 
Satan, wearing strange robes and fighting with all the furies of Hades, arouses the countryside to a frenzy of black terror. Okay, The Mask of Satan, a.k.a. Black Sunday from 1960. This is a classic of Italian Gothic horror. It is directed by the maestro himself, Mr. Mario Bava. It is written by Ennio De Concini. Um, there are six other writers on this uh, This film. It's um, Mario Senderari, uh, Ennio De Concini... Uh, Nikolai Gogal, uh, which he was his original uh, short story. Um, George Higgins, uh, who was one of the dialogue uh, writers for this. Mario Bava worked on the script himself. Uh, Marcelo Costilla, uh, Dino De Palma worked on it. Um, it stars Barbara Steele, John Richardson, Andrea Cecchi, um, Ivo Garnini, uh, Arturo Dominici, Enrique Olivier, uh, Antonio... Pierre Ferdici, and um, I think that pretty much covers it for the task. This is a masterful, masterful piece of filmmaking. Um, I think it stands the test of time. The opening scene, I think, is something. It's sort of it's it's virtuoso. It is a wonderful, wonderful opening. It is rich. It is beautifully shot. Um, the it's it's a black and white film, um, but that adds some wonderful, wonderful texture to it. Um, it also, you know, the fact that it's shot predominantly on sets, um, it gives it again this 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 great sort of otherworldly sort of gothic feel to it. Um, I think it's a fantastic film. I think Barbara Steele, um, is absolutely wonderful in it. I think the um, the influence of this film cannot be overstated. It is a fantastic, fantastic film. Um, you know, the impact of this film can be seen throughout cinema, particularly on filmmakers like, uh, for example, Tim Burton. Um, it is a brilliant, brilliant film. And if you want a gateway into Italian horror... Uh, or Euro horror, I think you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't be far wrong starting off with this. Um, uh, I think Mario Bava has made some phenomenal films. I think for me, you know, my my top three um, is Planet of the Vampires. I think it's a wonderful film. It's uh, Black Sunday, aka Mask of Satan, or whichever way around you want to say it, and of course Black Sabbath with Boris Karloff. Um, but for me. Mask of Satan, a.k.a. Black Sunday, is a must-own in not just horror film, uh, horror films, I think for film fans in general. I think it, you know this is a film that should be held up amongst the classics. It is a brilliant, brilliant piece. And for me, it's a 9 out of 10, and it's a must-own. Okay, up next, we have got The Faculty from 1988. Let's check out the trailer. 
From Kevin Williamson, the writer of Scream and Scream 2. From Robert Rodriguez, the director of From Dust Till Dawn, comes a new science fiction thriller. No more pencils, no more books, no more teachers' dirty looks. The students at Harrington High have always suspected their teachers were from another planet. Is this going to be on the test? This is the test. This time, they're right. Now, these six students won't just question authority. They'll have to destroy it. Critics are calling it hip and scary. A thrilling ride from beginning to end. Please report to the principal's office. <laughs> oh, um, I really like this film. I think it is a, I think in some ways it's one of those great sort of films that you can chuck on a Halloween for people who are not massive horror fans, for people who like to dip in and out of things. Um, you know, The Faculty from 1988, it's directed by... Uh, Robert Rodriguez. It's uh, written by Kevin Williamson. It stars Elijah Wood, Clea Duval, Laura Harris, Josh Hartnett. Um, it's got Piper Laurie in it. It's got Robert Patrick in it. It's you know, Christ. Even Usher's watchable in it, and I'm talking Usher people. He's even you know, it is a really, really good film. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Do not take it seriously in any way, shape, or form. Um, like I said, it's got a great cast. Um, you even get sort of, uh, you know, Salma Hayek pops up in it. Uh, Jordana Brewster is in it. it. Like I said, it's a really, really, really good film. Um, and it, I think for me, it's one of my favorite Robert Rodriguez films. I do think, um, you know, I think a lot of his films, I mean, from Dust to Dawn is brilliant. I think the Grindhouse stuff is great. Um, but for me, this you know, it feels like a complete polished film. Um, I really, really like it. It's it's silly. It's irrelevant. You know, it, it's got it's got everything to it. It's irreverent, not irrelevant. It's irreverent. Um, you're gonna have to bear with me. I am dying a man flu on this episode. Um, but like I said, it's one of those great Halloween films. Uh, you can you can just pop on, particularly if you're doing your 31 Days of Horror. It's a nice, easy, simple one. Um, it's got a you know it's got a reasonable runtime. It's um, you know it's I think it it's about ooh, 104 minutes if that. Um, it's got some good gore. It's got some good jump scares. Um, I'm you know I I really like it you know so for me is it perfect? No, it's well worth a look. Um, I would say this is a 7.5 and. Uh, no, yeah, please check it out. It's well, well worth it. Particularly, you see a lot of these big names right at the start of their careers, um, and particularly before one became an irritating hobbit. <laughs> so we come to the end. That's right of our time together, but we'll be back very, very soon. And I'm going to be joined on my next episode by the one, the only, Mister Leighton Winston. I can't wait to have him back on. And we're going to be talking Lost Boys. That's right from 1987. So I can't wait for that. I'm really, really looking forward to it. And fingers crossed I won't be full up as cold, with cold as I am now. So, as always, I want to say a big, big thank you to a number of people out there, but also to anybody who tweets, anybody who gets involved in the show, anybody who likes the show. 
please, 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 when you go into iTunes and SoundCloud, please leave me feedback. Go into the YouTube channel, subscribe. It's important, guys, um, for me to hear from you because you know I want to interact with you. I want to you know get it you know you to get involved with the show um, because I got to be honest, I'm I'm always over I'm always touched and humbled and overwhelmed when people come and listen to the show. Like I said, we're now on SoundCloud. We're now on iTunes. Uh, if you could uh, possibly find it in your heart to leave us some uh, some five star ratings, that will get our visibility right up there on iTunes. That will be absolutely wonderful. Uh, but before I go, I always want to say a couple of hellos. Once again, I want to say a big shout out to uh, CL Raven. Thank you so much, girls, for coming on. I hope you have a fab time at Bristol Horicon. Um I want to say a big shout out to my man Blake at Spivey Point on Twitter. Yeah, guys, I say this every single episode. Get yourself over and follow him on Twitter. You know, he get he's always, always interesting to follow. Posts some hilarious stuff and has excellent taste in film. I want to give a shout out to my man CJ over at VHS Revival. It's a brilliant blog. Get over and follow it. My two main men over in Chicago, I want to say a big shout out to Jeff and the podcasting superstar that is Al Burnham. Guys, I'm really, really looking to, uh, forward to when uh, your schedules clear up and we can get that sort of uh, that joint episode going. Fingers crossed. Um, I know we've talked about possibly doing a, a Jason and the Argonauts type episode, a Ray Harryhausen stuff, because that'd be really, really good fun. Guys, listen to Cav- Cadavercast. It's a brilliant, brilliant show. Um, also, I want to say um, you can catch me actually make an appearance on the Retro Movie Geek podcast with Joel, Peter and Daryl um, and we're talking about the Zuni Fetish Doll episode on the Trilogy of Terror um, anthology movie. Honestly, I had an absolute blast recording with those guys. Um, my face was hurting by the time uh, I had finished recording because I was laughing so much. They are wonderful to record with, so get over there and listen to them. Always I want to give a shout out to my man uh, Dave Dr. Shock Becker, who by the time this comes out, I think your birthday would have come and gone but a big happy birthday out to you. Um, and I hope you have a good time uh, at the, I think, well, I suppose, yeah, the Horror Movie Cast Meetup over in Salt Lake City. I hope you guys have a blast. And again, get yourselves over and listen to the Horror Movie Cast. A fantastic podcast. Uh, where you got Jay the Dead, you got Dr. Shock, you got Josh Legary. Um, they're currently, in Dewey, they're currently uh, covering the Child's Play franchise. So get yourselves over there. I want to say a big shout out to my man Gregor Mortis over at Land of the Creeps. Honestly, it's so gl- I'm so glad that you guys are back. Love listening to the, the episode. Also, I want to give a shout-out to my man Paul over at Schlock Horror. Again, it's a brilliant, brilliant blog. Paul was on our Zombie Holocaust episode, and we're going to be recording alongside another Aussie. Uh, that's right, the the infamous, or f- I don't know, I suppose famous, Gidget Von LaRue from... Uh, Retro Cinema Podcast. Um, I I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to that where we're going to be covering Carrie. Um, and again, uh, you can find uh, Gidget and her co-host or partner in crime. I don't know which way you want to put it. Uh, Angry Man over at Retro Cinema Podcast. It's a great, great, great show. They cover eight movies from the 80s. It's brilliant. I love it. Um, the Mannequin episode was brilliant. Um, all their episodes are brilliant. But get yourselves over there and follow them. Um and if I missed anybody out, I'm really, really sorry. I am doped up to the eyeballs at the moment. So if I'm talking at the nonsense at the end, you've got to bear with me. But as always, all that's left for me to say is, in the immortal words of Count Duckula, good night out there, whatever you are. 
<laughs> this is Al from Cadavacus. You've been listening to Thundered Wookie. The back.